welcome to the Saturday Night Live After Party. For our very first newly retooled off-week blowout extravaganza podcast, we'll be discussing the first three episodes of SNL's 48th season, hosted by Miles Teller, Brendan Gleeson, and Megan the Stallion. I'm your host, Catherine Coleman, and I'm joined this week by fan favorite podcast sidekicks Steve Finn and Pat Riley. You can follow Pat at NotPatRiley, and you can find us on Twitter at SNL Podcast. To get early access to all of our Season 48 coverage, head over to Patreon.com slash SNL Podcast. It's our patrons who make this show possible, and we are so thankful to everyone who's already come on board. All right, here we go. Hey guys, how's it going? Howdy, strangers. How was everybody's summer? (laughs) I went to the beach. Y'all have good times in the summertime? Yeah. We did. I've been seeing a lot of Patrick recently. We've been working on a sketch show together. Yeah, uh, that's true. We've had a big summer. Yeah, we've been... uh, yeah, all, we've been working and writing for like the last two months or so. We've been we've been seeing each other at least once a week. And I gotta say, Catherine, it's enough. We gotta just <laughs> too much, too much of a good fair, thing. It's been that's fun fair. watching you guys work from afar, getting back into live sketch work after such yeah. a long time away. It must feel great. Steve, how was your summer? Well, you know, uh, I've I had a lot of healing to do, so I've been. Uh, Waiting for this jaw to get better. I'm doing a, little, a lot better now in terms of being post-surgery. Still got some numbness, but, uh, you know, my mouth is kind of working again. It's not bonded together by uh, rubber bands any, anymore. So it's been slow, but I can get better every day. There's a glow to you, Steve. I'll say that. That's what people are When you are came on, I immediately was just like, look at him, happy, <laughs> sure of himself, you know? And what that really is, is just Steve is fully oxygenated for the first yeah, time in yeah. his life. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Steve could finally breathe correctly, and it's, it's really doing wonders for him. Jury's still out on that, but I should be at least improved a little bit. Cool. Well, um, so I know we did we did a little little update a couple weeks ago about, you know, we're changing up the podcast. It's uh, We're not doing weekly sketch-by-sketch sketch reviews anymore, so we've got a little something new to do tonight. Um and what, what that's going to look like is we're going to start with, we're going to go through each episode. Uh, we're going to talk kind of generally about the host. Where you, and then uh, we've each picked one sketch from each episode that we're itching to discuss. And we'll talk about the pros and cons of that. We'll bat it around just like normal. Uh, and then we're going to zoom out a little bit. We're going to talk about the run as a whole. We're going to talk about our featured players, our repertory players. How are the writers doing? What about the musical guests? Uh, all that stuff. And mixed all in there, we've got uh, pat- patron questions, Twitter feedback, etc. to bat around. So, yeah, this is this is what we're going to try this this month. We'll see how it goes. If if it doesn't work, it'll be different next month. It's it's uh, it's going to be going to be a little of a learning process here as we change the format so you know never hesitate to let us know how you're feeling listeners uh you oh, know please like comment subscribe and please uh give us open and honest feedback uh directed specifically to john only yeah right i feel like i'm in a sandbox today because we really could you know uh kind of start from scratch and, and see what happens and and we're asking people if they like our sandcastles i guess See, yeah. see if we should keep building them that way. 
But yeah, we can get what, creative. What a beautiful metaphor. What a beautiful metaphor. We're about to talk about some of the stupidest things I've ever seen on screen. But yeah, let's <laughs> let's build sandcastles in the sand. I love that. All right. Well, you guys ready to dive in? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Well, up first, episode one, Miles Teller and Kendrick Lamar. Let's uh, let's talk about this host. You know, what we think was it a good booking? Did he prove himself? How did he do in general? Uh, Patrick, what do you think? Um, I will say on this is his first time hosting. Am I correct? Or correct. right? As a first time host, he did a great job. Um, I it's a joke in one of the sketches. I think in the op- cold open that uh, hosts don't normally get to ask to be in the cold open. You know, right. it's, it's very rare you see a host there, and. Um, I think that was indicative of what a great sport he was. He was mm-hmm. he was game for all the sketches. He did some weird weird sketches this episode, and overall, I think I would I can't wait to see next year when Miles Teller is in some big blockbuster movie and he gets to host again, because I think he did a great job. Yeah, and I think this was like a very solid booking choice. You know, Top Gun was a huge movie. He was having a moment. He had that. He had his little dancing gif, you know. Uh, and sure, like, would Tom Cruise be like the bigger get? Yes, but does he come with all of his own baggage? Absolutely. So, like, I like that they yeah. picked someone like different and new. It was. It, f- it feels more exciting. So, and yeah, I feel like Miles Teller is part of that new class of actor, like mm-hmm. Timothy Chalamet and Zendaya. Um, uh, the others uh what's her name from uh, don't worry darling tom holland um florence Florence Pugh. Pugh. yeah like Mm -hmm. there's like that new class of actors where Mm -hmm. they they've done all their art house films and now they're finally breaking out into mainstream big time movies so now we're seeing Mm -hmm. like florence pugues in the mcu and uh you know miles teller was in top gun that which is one of the biggest movies of the year and i i think we're we're getting to that point now where it's like all right well let's put them in snl let's see them yep. on you know do game shows on jimmy fallon come like that so like exactly. you know this if this is indicative of what of what the booking's going to be in the season i'm looking forward to who else is going to host now is it indicative time will tell we'll dive into that later in the podcast i will say <laughs> this is the weirdest three hosts i've ever been grouped together like just to hear their names together makes me go ooh what <laughs> yeah Brand but, new sentence. Uh, yeah, I mean, and then Miles showed up. He put on the Charmin bear suit. What more could you ask for? So, uh, oh yeah, St- Steve, what'd you think? Oh yeah, uh, I really like Miles as a host. And of the people you could pick, that was, you know, an unsurprising choice. This was a, a really great one to go with. So yeah, it does tick those boxes of like an actor from uh, the blockbuster of the summer. Uh, very common thing to start with for the season. Uh, I think Miles being from that pool of actors to select from was, yeah, this was one of the better choices because he came not to just say funny lines written for him. I felt like he came on that show and really wanted to earn his laughs and actually, you know, be a source of comedy in his, in his performance, not just stand there and parrot the jokes. He, he really showed uh, an aptitude for, for for comedy yeah and, and like i mean we can get into it in more detail but like the peyton manning impression was good i'll be honest it took me a minute to realize it wasn't actually peyton manning i had to <laughs> i had to uh notice the 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 seam coming loose in the, yes. in the wig to be like oh that's not actually him well fair enough Let, let's talk about some of these sketches so uh up first is steve's pick from this episode 
Instead of Monday Night Football, the Manning brothers decide to provide commentary on SNL season premiere. Uh, okay, I guess I got to defend my choice. Uh, I picked it because while we've seen similar iterations of this kind of idea before, I think this one worked a little better. Uh, I think it's a difficult thing to do, especially when you're doing it live. Uh, but when you think back to like the Dave Chappelle um, uh, post-sketch conference, um, and compared to that, there's, there's a few things I like better uh, in how they did it this time around. Because they still have the commenting, you know, on the behind the scenes of of, of sketch sketch work going on at SNL, but this time around, it's more like uh, a live play by play as it's happening. See, the thing about the Chappelle one is that you had to get through a very large, awkward portion uh, mm-hmm. that's segmented by itself, and then you get to the commentary afterwards. So you're kind of like <laughs> wondering what you're watching for a while, which I think hurt the effectiveness of that sketch. So we see, uh, we see something that's more live and done, uh, uh, done more back and forth, which I feel has a better rhythm for live, but yeah, it was, uh, I think this is my favorite sketch with that, that goes to this length of reflexivity to, uh, to lend its jokes. And, uh, yeah, I, I just thought it was a lot of fun, especially Bowen. I thought Bowen really hammed up the awkwardness of it and really played with that, that timing, you know, of, mm-hmm. of having to like kind of sit there for a couple of seconds and stare at the camera. Uh, all of that lended itself to just make it even more awkward and more uh, cringeworthy, which is exactly what they were going for. So uh, great execution. Yeah. I, yep. Yeah. A big a thing that I had written down to say is like the main point here is like Bowen's performance. He just played, every emotion of it so clearly and just so palpably. And it just really made his part shine in a way that none of the other players were doing. Uh, so that was really interesting, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed the sketch. It touched, uh, I touched on it a little in the, in the last episode, but I just thought it was a really strong start to the season. It was like showing a ton of creativity. It was showing a lot of self-awareness. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think it followed through in the next two episodes, but it was really <laughs> exciting. Like in the moment I was like, Oh, are we going to like? Are are they are they becoming aware? Are they going to take in the you know this criticism that's being thrown at them from every direction? And you know maybe they will, maybe they won't. But um, in the moment, like it was exciting. I thought this was a really really creative use, uh, and I thought it was a really high energy start to the season. Like I was, I was excited to see the rest of the episode as soon as this ended. So high marks for me, Patrick. What did you think? Same. I really enjoyed the sketch. Um, I, yeah, I gotta say, like, I really, so, to the point about Bowen being kind of, I I think Michael also did such a great job closing the door again, not knowing to do. It was so funny. And that, that was probably the, the, the hardest time I laughed during the sketch was when they do the commentary of like, oh, and here comes the uh, the new feature player. He will have the right this way, ma'am line. And there it is. And he will exit, and he forgot to shut the door. Oh no, he, he, he fumbled the door. It's, that was, and him awkwardly standing at the door, not what he's. And he also, I think, has proved himself kind of like how for me last season, Andrew uh, Dismukes dis, dis, proved himself. Um, where like Michael, is, and later in this episode too, he'll have a weekend update bit. But he's someone who's who's slowly becoming like a a that guy for me, 
where I see that guy in a sketch and I go, I like him. Um, <laughs> I also loved uh, Sarah was just being weird behind a window. Mm-hmm. What an enjoyable yeah. woman, insane person, pure pure chaos. Because the the line was, oh, and look, Sarah's peeking through the window. But what Sarah was doing was trying to get her fingies all the way through <laughs> like a psychopath because, because she's insane. <laughs> I also love that just in her second season, Sarah is a known enough quantity that they make that joke and it totally lands. Yeah. All right. Well, let's keep moving. The next one, a bank robbery goes awry when it's time to be real. Uh, Patrick, this was your pick. What'd you like about it? Well, listen, I'm an old man. All right. I'm an old man. I chop wood. You know, I read newspapers. I'm an old man. I did not know what Be Real was. I knew that people were okay, hold tweeting on, about hold it. Okay, on, Because you are chronically online. Yes. And you didn't know what it was. No, no idea. I thought Be Real was a meme that I missed. Because I just saw the memes first. And I was like, oh, some idiot must have done something. That's pretty funny. Because all I would see was just like a picture of RuPaul. And then, you know, a picture of like a toilet. And I'm like, oh, that's uh, funny, I guess. Just the idea of them together. I didn't know what Be Real was until I saw this thing and I, and they explained it to me and I was like, oh, that's what it is. But this sketch does one of my favorite things, which is when a character in a stressful situation uh, completely breaks and just goes, oh, this is pretty cool, actually. You would really like this. And I think that's so funny when Mikey Day is on the floor and he's like, oh, yeah, no, Be Real? Oh, it's actually a pretty good app. You should download it right now. It's it's fun. Um, oh, it's not Mikey Day. Who's the one on the yeah, floor? Because Bowen. It was Bowen, that's right. Because Mikey was the uh, other robber. Uh, yeah, so Bowen has that moment where they just kind of like break. The, it, it, everyone breaks for a second, and everyone's just mm-hmm. having fun. Miles Teller is honestly really funny in this. He has one of my other favorite kind of like SNL sketch tropes that they've been doing lately is the sincere moment of the sketch, mm-hmm. where a character says something very sincere, and it's the stupidest thing you've ever heard. <laughs> I mm-hmm. love that. It makes me laugh every time. And when he says a moment, I'm just like, no, I need to be real. And everyone's just kind of like agreeing with him. And it's in the middle of a bank route. So funny. Yeah. I really like this one too. I, I am on be real and I do, uh, I, I enjoy it. I don't, I don't know. I don't like browse it a lot. Like I'm not looking at other people's be reels. I just kind of post mine and move on. So I don't really know what the point is, but, um, nonetheless i thought this was this was a standout from the episode for sure because i think it captured the phenomenon of be real and put it in a place where the stakes were really high and like patrick just said it explained what be real is so that's not totally just an in joke but they explained it in a way that it was still funny so like when andrew dismuke says like when or when miles asks um y'all work for be real and andrew says no we're just really aligned with the mission of the app that's hilarious um so yeah i thought this this was really tight and really great and it showed this like socially aware topical side of snl that can be good and can be on the forefront and like actually very funny without just rehashing um something that twitter's already done you know um so yeah steve was it a winner for you (laughs) absolutely uh Coming from the same uh, darkness as Patrick when it comes to Be Real, I don't even know if it's available up here in the old Canadian because I literally do not know one person to ever mention it or use it or show it to me. Uh, Anybody I've asked doesn't know what it is either, but I guess it has a following. 
that's why I'm just so glad this this uh, that this uh, sketch over explains it to comic effect, uh, which kind of helps to make it time proof. You know, like if if be real. <laughs> oh, you're right. Yeah, you know if it it's, does. If if uh, if they were right in prophesizing uh, a, a quick death in a couple of months, uh, anybody going back to watch this as a rerun has a crash course built in to know what the hell everyone's talking about. So, yeah. But what made it work for me was, I guess, Miles' character's investment in it. The more he hears about it, the more he's immediately uh, connecting with, uh, you know, the... <laughs> <laughs> the urgency of the app and uh, the dread of f- of your friends finding out you're not being real and, and just how much weight there was to those beats for them. Uh, you know, only heightened by the actual situation that they're in. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, it's great news that I'm the coolest one on this um, podcast right now because I'm on Be Real and y'all. Okay, well, let's move on to the next one. Nicole Kidman tells us all the ways that AMC makes movies better. Now, this one is my pick, but I know Patrick has many, many, many thoughts on it. So, so he's repeating his mantra to himself right now. <laughs> I'm just trying to hold back my anger. Um, oh, wow. Listen, I, I never understood why people got so handsy about Jesus. You know, I never understood like when people were like mad when you said when you made fun of something religious until this moment <laughs> where I straight up was like, I'm gonna burn this to the ground. How dare they say that about my God? I I go to AMC movies probably at least twice a week. Sometimes three times. Uh I have what we in the business call a problem. Um I love that Nicole Kidman ad. It makes me so happy the only time I ever feel truly safe in this world is when I hear other people mouth the words along with it. That's where I'm like, I'm in a happy place. I trust these people around me. You know, I'm not going to get gay bashed. And then it just watching this. Th- my problem with this is there's so many funny things to make fun of this thing. And they, they hit a, a thing in this sketch that I think really would be funny is just have Keenan Thompson be there and be like, what is happening? And, I, I feel like it's it was just they just said the words from what was like they didn't change a lot until about a minute and a half in. It's I think almost that's what's so funny about it. Oh, but because that's just how like, ridiculous the ad is. I know how ridiculous the ad is, but like you can't make fun of it's like it's like isn't this ridiculous? They were basically going like isn't this ridiculous instead of like commenting on why. It, it, I I I expected better from SNL because I was looking forward. To it. I think Chloe Feynman does a perfect Nicole Kidman, but. You know, so Catherine, why did you like this? So what's interesting is everything you just said is a reason you didn't like it is a reason that I did like it. Ah, okay. <laughs> well, um, and I'll, I'll so I'll I'll start this by saying we did have uh, a little bit of patron feedback from Grace Kogan, and I'm uh, I'm going to summarize it. I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit, but basically, what this is is there's this Nicole Kidman AMC ad. If you haven't watched it by now, I don't know what to tell you. Go watch it, and um. What it became sort of a meme because it, it just has a ridiculous script, and there and it became uh, there was one in particular, and I do think this was when I was first made aware of it. As I saw on Twitter that like uh, the story was that someone like actually put in the seats of an AMC theater little 
like cut out papers with this with the words of the ad on it. And it was like, when you see a shoe step in a puddle, please stand and recite this along with me. And then like had the words of the ad. And that was sort of to me, like, and I think probably a lot of other people, the origin of like the AMC ad memes. Um, so I do think it, and it sort of blew up over the summer. So I think like it was, it was this thing where like, yeah, they had, they had to do something with it. And I actually think what they did right was that they, I don't think they, like they put a lot of work into it, but they weren't trying too hard. Like it was just, it was what it was. It, it took the AMC ad as is every ridiculous word. Um, they added in like personification and layers of like the memes that have been made. So like you see a joke about like standing and saluting, but they're like, yeah, this is what it would look like if people did that. Isn't that funny? Um, and then like, and like they, they'd made it look professional. They made it look legit and they gave, they gave the internet like their own jokes back, but in like this perfectly wrapped package with a beautiful bow on it, but with their own fingerprint. Like, I don't think it was just like purely rehashing the news. Like we'll get into a different sketch later. Um, like, because I think they did avoid those pitfalls, but I think, I don't know, I, to me, it was like the perfect way to just like take an internet culture thing, add SNL's touch to it, add production value, and just be topical and relevant, grab something in the zeitgeist, and do it up the way that literally only SNL has the budget to do. Um, and that's like just like part of what I love about the show. And so I, I thought it was, I was crying, laughing. I, uh, I will say that my brother texted me and was like, I don't get it. And I said, you have to watch the ad. They didn't change a word. And he was like, I'm sorry, what? And I was like, exactly. And so, <laughs> Steve, were you familiar with the ad? And what did you think of this guy? Well, no, I haven't seen that ad. But you watch this sketch and you're like, this has to be uh, doing something specific. Something with right. Nicole Kidman in it. Uh, it, it looked very stylized and it, it just gave itself away. This is, this is something out there. Um, I went and found a side by side comparison and it sounds like you guys are right where it's quite literally line for line, shot for shot, maybe some exaggerations here and there, but, uh, they definitely captured the, the cinematography and, and, and blocking and all that, uh, I noticed that the side by side, the original, uh, the original side of it cut out when she started levitating like a witch, and so I'm assuming that's where it started to deviate. But this is this is what I'm feeling like. Part of what this sketch is saying is like, does doesn't this feel like this is where it's going? <laughs> when you watch mm-hmm. this sketch, aren't you just like a little bit, uh, you know? uncomfortable for some reason uh is, is there some sense of dread th- that you're feeling you can't really explain yeah i feel like people just r- wrote their feelings into this sketch and yeah this feels like a logical development to the to the ominous uh uh atmosphere that this commercial has created right, well we got to keep moving on we got two more episodes to get through so let's talk about brandon gleason what did we think of this host selection, Steve? Well, it was certainly unexpected. Um, <laughs> not really the name uh, you would expect to see pop up on the marquee between Megan the Stallion and Miles Teller. But it's by not marquee, like the guy... you mean set of index cards. Right, exactly. <laughs> Pinned up on a cork board. Uh, 
it's uh, it's not like he's not prolific or, or doesn't do high uh, high caliber films. It's just he's normally a character actor that's uh, second or third billing. One of those that guy people. But hey, you know, I mean, Danny Aiello hosted back in the day and and there's been a lot of people that uh, have just had a, a somewhat successful career. Uh, you know, just never reached super A++ level. Uh, mm-hmm. You could even argue his son is is a little bit of a bigger name than he, he is now. Yep. But uh, like Miles Teller, he was there to promote a movie. And uh, like Miles Teller, he brought a couple of cast members along to help do that. Uh, maybe people with a slightly bigger name than himself. But So it was great to have Brendan uh, on. Even if he wasn't like the greatest host. Like he, he had one of those... Uh, one of those endearing awkwardness uh, type of vibes to him, uh, which SNL knows how to use. Like, I feel like they approached uh, Brendan Cree- uh, Gleason's hosting to like your Robert De Niro's and other, you know, accomplished actors, but, but in a totally different wheelhouse and, and visibly struggles to, <laughs> to, to do this side of the things. And uh, yeah, it's, it's limited, but it's always fun with what you can do. And they really played into it with like the posing for, for, you know, glamor photos or, or just slapping the dress on, you know, there's, there's all the, the tried trusted, trusted to and true, uh, go to things they, they do for these types of hosts. Very, very interesting. Uh, I, I thought, I thought, uh, I thought it was a weird pick. Uh, I saw the name. I said, I have no idea who that person is. Uh, and then someone on Reddit said Mad Eye Moody, and I said that guy. Um, so I didn't recognize the name at all. <laughs> but yeah, and then even once I knew who he was, I was like, "All right, weird choice." Uh, but I think it seemed like he showed up ready to have a good time. It seemed like he was good sport. Uh, I overall felt like the writers didn't really know what to do with him, and they just sort of were like, "All right, we'll have him like pose because I don't really trust him to say lines." Uh, like I don't like it. Just it felt. <laughs> um, yeah, it felt like they they were as confused as I was. Um, so I don't know. Ultimately, it was it was far from my favorite episode. Uh, Pat, Pat, what did you think of Brendan Gleeson? Obviously, you're a huge fan. I, I am a huge fan. I really love his work. Um, it's a crazy pick. It is a crazy pick for them to go because it's like the movie he's promoting also isn't like the big like big Christmas movie. It's a art house film that is up for the Oscars. Like that's what he's doing. Like. I, I listen. I already have my tickets to see Banshees in this year. I'm seeing it Sunday. I've been looking forward to it. It has been probably my most anticipated movie of the year because Martin McDonough is one of my favorite writers, and it's bringing back the two leads of In Bruges, which is one of my favorite movies. Um, that being said, w- why is he hosting SNL for that? It, it, it is a comedy, but it's like it's an Irish dark comedy, which means it's probably if if there's one thing I know about Martin McDonough is he knows how to make you feel super uncomfortable and then say something that is pretty funny, you know? So it's it's weird that he was even even hosting at all. Um, that being said, I felt like he did the best he could. I don't think the writers, like I think, Catherine, I think you hit it on the head, I don't think the writers knew what to do with him. So they kept giving him weird stuff, and uh, I think he did he did the best he could. Cool. Well, let's talk about these sketches. Up first, the ancient ritual of the blood oath has messy consequences when this man slices into his hand like a steak. 
Pat, why'd you pick this one? Well, I feel like this was Brendan Gleeson's strongest sketch of the night because it was, I think, the only sketch where they that he did where it wasn't like, what do we do with this old man? You know, I think this was the the only sketch where it's like, oh, this is a Brendan Gleeson type character, and now mm-hmm. he's just being silly. And I thought I think his timing is really funny. I think the fact that like he what he really does well, which I feel like a lot of hosts don't do, and you could tell when like an actor is hosting opposed to like a personality or a celebrity. When an actor is hosting, they are acting the scene and he was acting the scene because he, he, he starts to like immediately go, Ooh, like second he cuts into his hand, he starts to like in the background, like you can see him kind of like mm-hmm. wincing and like, and like, he's probably just trying to get the hose down to his wrist, whatever. Uh, but it's, it's, he's, he does a really good job conveying, uh, how much pain he's in. And I listen, am I a dumb little boy? Yes. Am I always going to laugh when they make a mess? Yeah, and they made a big mess, guys. And seeing a hose of blood shoot Mikey Day and Chloe Feynman in the face, and <laughs> Chloe's genu- genuine reaction of of her being like, like the second it hits her face, she just starts like, la- it's it's fun, you know? Yep. You get excited when you see that everyone's having fun in the sketch. Um, is it the tightest written sketch? No. Is it... Is it is it like good? Is it up for the Oscars now? But did I laugh the whole time? I laughed my ass off. It was so much fun. Yeah, this was really enjoyable. It's always fun, like you said, when things get messy. It feels chaotic. It makes you remember that like this is all happening live. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think this is as good of a justification as any to use a hose full of blood. Uh, I think you know. I think it's a fun idea that allows them to get messy. There's something there. Now, once he's bleeding profusely and he squirted blood all over the map, there's not really anywhere to go. There's not a whole lot more heightening happening. So, yeah, from a writing perspective, it's not a lot going on. But was it fun? Sure. And isn't that at the end of the day really the point? So, yeah, Steve, what do you think? Well, this is a classic gag that we just have to get every couple of years. I mean, it's. It's written into the constitution of the show, I believe. Uh, you just got to make a mess sometimes because, you know, uh, lowbrow humor is, is humor too. And we should not uh, discriminate. We can all make us laugh. We can all make us have fun. It was a great use for Brendan. And let me just say, uh, I think this is uh, a, a good uh, token of trust that they've they've shown Brendan here you know you say they didn't know what to do with him they at least gave him the responsibility of being the sprayer in one of these <laughs> uh spraying sketches because yeah. honestly you, you you're trusting that person to spray in the right direction at the right time and yeah maybe you point your forearm in the right place but the you were paying attention and the the hose is now this way so everything's written and every moment is supposed to happen at a certain time. So when Chloe stands there and goes, because she's supposed to be getting hit, hit in the face, you you better hope she's actually getting hit in the face because <laughs> it's supposed to be happening. And nothing's more awkward when you're standing there pretending to get hit by something and you're not actually getting hit by it. Uh, so there's a level of risk that I think helps me feel tense and uh, ready to laugh uh, with these sketches because I just know that it can just suck the air out of it in a, in a second if something goes wrong. Very good. Let's keep going. Yep. yep, yep. This woman got brand new eyeballs. And yes, of course they made her vision worse. 
<laughs> I picked this one. Uh, a minute ago, I said that Blood Oath didn't offer much past the reveal of the blood, right? Uh, but this sketch, I think, is a masterclass on having a really funny prop, costume, makeup, whatever, and then continuing to heighten and add on and on and on. Because they, she could have looked up and had the crazy eyes and the rest of the sketch just been her moving her head funny. Uh, but no, like they added new beats. They, they said, oh, well, I can get my old eyes back as long as I refrigerate them. Oh no, I didn't refrigerate them. Yes, of course my vision's worse. Like, uh, like it just, it just kept adding new yeah. layers. And um, I, think I it's believe just a- the line, uh, wasn't, oh no, my vi- I didn't refrigerate them. It was, oh no, that, <laughs> oh no, is yeah. one of the funniest noises I've heard in years. And, I'm going to let you get back to it, but I just was say, like, her, it's not just, oh, no, I didn't refrigerate them. It's, oh, no, right. do you think they're okay? Do you think they're Can you okay? Smell them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like a creative way to to do the the beat. Uh, yeah. And, but, but, yeah, I mean, I think it's just a really great example of, like, if this is true, what else is true? And just brilliantly performed by Sarah Sherman. So just a huge knock it out of the park. This was the far and away the highlight of the night for me. Steve, what did you think of it? So much to love and uh, so much to appreciate because when you look at the the bare bones of this thing, uh, there's some very classic setups going on here. Like, I think we've all seen a sketch that involves someone getting some kind of procedure or work done or a new article of clothing, something that's supposed to be a grand statement and ends up being more harm than it is uh, good. You know, maybe we've seen something like that before. And Sarah, Sarah's doing these things, but adding just, you know, you know, peppering it with decomposing organs and <laughs> other things just to, uh, just to, you know, raise these, these gross factors that are very signature Sarah. So I like that she's taking, you know, recognizable comedy beats and just, you know, adding another flavor of grossness to her. Uh, it shows longevity and it shows that she can really uh, go the mile, the full mile with, with SNL. So hopefully we get her for, for a good long time. Cause she's, she's definitely up for it. I just want to say, I appreciate the, the makeup for this because mm-hmm. they didn't just slap on two googly eyes. They, they really worked on making the skin around it blend in with the eyes so you actually Mm -hmm. buy the idea that she had these medically inserted and they're not just (laughs) taped on they're actually part of her face now and that body horror of it all is is just so creepily effective i love it and yeah i think this was probably uh one of the more fun sketches uh i don't know if brendan gleason knew what kind of accent he was trying to do he seemed to start american and went oh, yeah. to, to, i don't know half irish but uh that's that's just an observation i, I don't even want to complain about that because it's so i'll complain about the the voice it took me out of it it <laughs> was it really? very weird uh, I, um i didn't even know yeah, it was worth mentioning no 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 i was gonna bring it up so i'm glad you did i i uh great sketch all around i thought it was a lot of fun very silly crazy silly uh, what I expect from Sarah Sherman, but um, the voice that he did, the uh, I am an American businessman. This is how American businessmen sound. And it was just like, well, just why don't you just make him Irish and we just like 
Not everyone can do accents. I can't like th- I can't do accents. You know, right? I'm not good. Okay, Catherine, you know this. I, I was about to, to say co- I don't know that that Cockney accent's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've a uh, come see the show. I play uh, Tom Nook, but with a Cockney accent. But um, <laughs> do I keep the accent? No, I slowly no. become Michael Caine, and that's fine. That's fine. I'm not on SNL. They haven't asked me yet. All right, but Brenda Gleason, it was so just weird sounding. That I did spend the first few seconds of sketch going like, is this part of it? Like, is this going to come up? Oh, it's not? Oh, that's just his choice? Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know if it was a choice, just kind of like forgetting yeah. to try. Uh, which is funny because he was like, he just played Trump to some acclaim, I believe. I've never seen it, but it's not like he it hasn't was, been it played wasn't Americans. Great. It, it wasn't great? It wasn't great. Yeah. All right. So... So so I loved it. Steve loved it. Patrick got really lost in the accent. Uh, I did love it, but yeah, I, <laughs> I got I got stuck in the weeds. You know, happens to the best of us. Let's talk about our next pick from the Brendan Gleeson episode. Marilyn Monroe's fan mail readers come in to get that whore ready to dance. Steve, why'd you pick this one? I just wanted to highlight it because. I think it's a really special thing that Heidi brings to the show. And I feel like she has a really great eye for catching moments out of popular film and television that are not meant to be funny in the way that they are. And then highlighting that in a way that's true to the source, but also taking what's funny about it and making it the forefront. Um, You know, only Heidi would watch uh, a, a, a documentary about Michael Jordan and say, I want to make a sketch about this silly looking, yeah. uh, right. uh security trucks. guard. Yeah. Like, uh, she, she has such an eye for it. And it, it's, it's a great example of why, of, of how you just have to be on top of things when you work for SNL, you really, you can't go home and listen to Led Zeppelin and, and, and watch Goodfellas. You know, you, you have to be, Somewhat yeah. timely in, in how you consume your media because that's mm-hmm. a big part of what SNL does. And Heidi is just so great at, at watching things and immediately seeing something that she can uh, bring to SNL that week. I hadn't seen the movie, but I, I did watch that scene afterwards, finding out where it came from. And yeah, yeah, that voice just being so specific. Like I had a feeling that she was harping on something uh, straight out of the movie. But it was, it's uh, a weird it's a weird moment in the movie that <laughs> the, the movie definitely hates Marilyn Monroe and that's very clear throughout the entire film but there's a moment in the movie where there's just a scene where they go listen you fat whore like and it's just like why is this part of it did they really do this as a poor woman I thought this was did this happen like why why would, if this didn't happen why did your mind go there you know and it's and it's a great parody of that yeah my take on the sketch is that you're you're right. Heidi does something wonderful here, uh, but this one in in particular, I didn't really love. Um, there's stuff to like within this sketch. Like, there's nothing technically wrong with it. It had a clear game. It had solid beats. I love the heightening move of like, well, why don't we just say flower instead of whore? And then they have a little lightning round where they say flower a bunch. Like, I, I think that's really fun. But having not seen Blonde, I didn't feel like there was enough set up for me to be like, oh, this is a thing in the movie that they're making fun of. Whereas 
in the when the, with the last dance when I hadn't seen that, but there was enough. I mean, honestly, like kind of deep faking and like clips from the documentary that I felt I got it, you know. And this one, I don't think did quite as good of a job of that. So, so I think that that's maybe part of it, and that's on me. They're making fun of a pop culture thing that I didn't get, you know. Not everyone's on be real, uh, but but yeah, I mean, it, there there's things to like here, but I think I think uh, I just didn't quite get it. Pat, since you have seen the movie, I know you talked a little bit, but did you you enjoy the sketch or? No, I, I agree. I feel like it's um not that it's a bad sketch, I feel like it it is kind of it is it's a moment in the movie where it's like, well what what the f-? but as a sketch it's kind of like it's it's stuff they've done before. They've done this kind of premise before. It's just now in kind of like a Marilyn Monroe coat. And I I I mean I didn't love I didn't love the sketch, but I didn't hate the sketch. It definitely wasn't it wouldn't be my moment of the night, for example. Um but uh, but it was still, you know, enjoyable. Now, we've covered all of our picks from the Brendan Gleeson episode. However, Ben on Patreon uh, made a special request that we discuss the worst sketches in the run. Um, so we got to talk about the Try Guys sketch. <laughs> uh, Is that considered the worst? Certainly the most controversial. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Where to start? Patrick, you start. All right. So, try guys. What 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 really happened with this sketch that where I think they really screwed up is the point of view of the sketch. And I don't know if you guys know that Bowen just talked about this on the last episode of Les Culturistas. Oh, I did not know. So Bowen talked about it, and I still don't think Bowen gets why people are mad. Because Bowen was talking about how, yeah, I guess all the fans and uh, the the Try Guys sent their fans after him, which is not what happened. The Try Guys have not mentioned it, like as that's as, not like, a entirely group. true. Well, yeah, Keith said that was weird, but um, but other than that, the Try Guys have not gone into detail talking about SNL. Um, so that is not what happened. What happened was the point of view of the sketch is these guys fired that other guy because he cheated on his wife, which. We are living in a post-Me Too society. That's not okay, because that's not what happened. The guy was a boss, the subordinate, and also did damage to the brand, because his whole branding is, I love my wife, I'm a family guy, and he just threw his way his marriage for someone who works for him. So the power dynamic's off. So that's what actually happened. And the fact that SNL was making fun of them for feeling bad about that, is why everyone on the internet was like, oh, you guys, that's... No, 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 We're not... That's not okay. That is not mm-hmm. why we're, we're, we're talking about this, you know? Yeah, they, 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 whiffed, they whiffed it big time. Because uh, what the sketch did right was that interesting thing to talk about. How it blew up from, like, I feel like most people... Obviously, the Try Guys are very popular on YouTube, but the average person has no idea what a Try Guy is. And the 100%. fact that it became so huge over the scandal was, was like crazy. Like literally, I feel like I couldn't escape it. Um, and so to comment on that, great. Like I think the angle of like CNN interrupting White House coverage to talk to the Try Guys is hilarious. I completely what agree. They, what they did wrong is they accidentally, somewhere in there, I think accidentally, some people think on purpose, yeah. And as a way to justify the sketch, said 
oh, it's not a big deal because they wanted to they wanted to hammer home this thing's being talked about so much and it's just really not that big of a piece of news, but they justified the sexual harassment of it instead of justifying like, yeah, these guys are just YouTube celebrities. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. They went the wrong direction. That's, that's yeah, where I exactly. think they went. They went the wrong direction. Um, they took a wrong uh, turn in there. Another thing Bowen was talking about on his podcast in kind of defense of this. So apparently, and this was a scandal in the try guy online community. Um, Ned knows some writers from SNL, and what I don't think uh, the kids who like Try Guys get is if you were a comedian in L.A. or New York, you know someone who works on SNL. Right. I know several people who work on SNL. Mm -hmm. Catherine, you know several people who work on SNL. It just happens. I don't think there was a cabal where Ned's college friend wrote the sketch. He might have been a writer on the sketch, but... On SNL sketches, how the sketches are written, like, you're, they're written in kind of like dog piles. Like, you, I mean, like, yep. Catherine and I, we just wrote together for, like, the last month. I mean, there's so many sketches where we're like, uh, you know, perfect example. Catherine has a very uh, funny sketch uh, about uh, the hint of lime lawyers, where it's, like, lawyers for people who think that there's too much lime in the hint of lime chips. Uh, best Best line in that sketch, I think, was written by another writer in it. The uh, it's a fact of lime, not a hint of lime, yep. and that's the funniest line. <laughs> and that's just how it works, you know. Like you pitch jokes mm-hmm. and other writers, and you all kind of write together. So, like to say, like he wrote the sketch, or because his name is on it, he, you know, he probably r- pitched a bit in the sketch. I don't think he was purposely like, well, my friend Ned, he let's 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 <laughs> take him down. I don't think I SNL don't... gives that much of a sh- to be no, completely. I also honest. think even even if he pitched it and wrote it. I feel like uh, there's just a whole misunderstanding of what anything means because they're like they follow each other on Instagram. It's like we, yeah, there's people from college that I follow and follow me back on Instagram that I yeah. do not keep up with and would not put my uh, job on the line to defend. Like you know, yeah, I think I I really think that they just they were writing the sketch. They had a, they had a joke they wanted to make about how big a deal it was, and they just justified with it the it. wrong way, and it just didn't go well. I really really do not believe there was any great movement to defend Ned specifically. Uh, so yeah, I, I think, I, I think we've, we've said our piece on the try yeah. guys. Let's move on to Megan, the stallion. Woo! Patrick, how do you, how do you think Meg did? I love it. I thought she did great. I love Megan, the stallion as like a personality. I don't love her music or music's not just, just not for me, but um, she's so funny. To almost a level where I'm like, I, you know what? She did a great job. She, I, I will, I, I'll never, I can never see Megan Thee Stallion hosting again, but I could see her making appearances again. I could see her whenever she's doing, when she's a musical guest, which she probably will be in the future, like she can come and like do a sketch or two. Yep. But for a first time host and for someone who's not known for this, the fact that she this year did that and She Hulk, fantastic, right? Just really great. Yeah. I, uh, I I was excited about this booking. I think uh, a lot of personality comes with Megan the Stallion. Um, I think uh, like this is this is a host that that is very easy to know what to do with in a lot of ways, right? Uh, and I think they showed us like a lot of these sketches had like similar themes. Some of the sketches were maybe hit and miss for me, but uh, yeah, I was happy with Meg. Steve, what do you think? I suppose she did okay. Uh, there was never a moment. Uh, that I was thinking, oh, 
Megan's just doing such an amazing job of hosting this show. I, I get it. I think she has a, a personality, uh, you know, that that is marketable. I'm not a listener of her music either. I know that she's popular, and uh, I can kind of see the appeal when I watch her. Uh, I feel like she she gave you know a sincere effort. I, I just <laughs> it's just very apparent that this is not what she normally does. Now, worth noting, we're two white people and one uh, Puerto Rican man. Uh, so so you know maybe maybe every one of these sketches were is not we're not the perfect target audience for. So I would like to highlight uh, my friend Sharice Foster said that like. The, the girls sketch was just like a really big important moment. She was like, like it was really great for me to see so many sketches about my culture. Um, so like, I, I think that that is maybe an important thing to consider in how we felt about her episode overall is that some of these sketches just weren't, weren't targeted at us and that's fine. Um, so yeah, good, good representation for uh, Meg mm-hmm. Stallion to be on. And um, so let's talk about the sketches. Let's see how she did. Up first, it's butt day at Studio Thick Thighs. But don't worry, there's pancake-ass modifications if you need them. <laughs> and, um, so yeah, th- this was my pick. I'll say that, uh, th- this one, this one's interesting. Uh, it, it's a good time. It has some really great moments. But I also just have a lot of questions about it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, while I like it, it's a mixed review. The good things are perfect use of the host. Great lines for, like, the no-butt exercises, like, drop it high, sag the ass. Uh, hilarious. Yeah. Wonderful performances from Heidi and Chloe. But the bad, and I say the bad, ignoring all of the technical missed camera cues of the live version, talking only about the uploaded dress rehearsal version, there was just some off things. Their eye lines were all over the place. Uh, Bowen and Sarah are looking over here at Heidi and Chloe and Meg's looking over there at them. Meg's looking over here at Bowen and think at Bowen and Sarah and Bowen and Sarah are looking straight on. Like the layout was was confusing. That's pretty minor. That's something that 99% of the audience is not going to notice. Um, but the biggest flaw is the voice of reason characters are upset but they have absolutely no reason to be upset because they're saying lines like, I wish I hadn't paid a year in advance for this, but they're getting exactly what they paid for. Megan, the stallion is still teaching them how to have a fat (laughs) ass, Uh, but they're just mad that there's also like these modifications. So they're really losing nothing. And so they're getting worked up. So all those lines (laughs) felt fat, fell flat like the asses. And, um, (laughs) Thank you, Steve. <laughs> so, ah, I just think ah. there, there needed to be uh, a different setup for for that part of it to work for me. Like maybe, um, may, maybe Bowen's really into the flat bottom exercises, and Ego's judging him. Maybe, maybe like mm-hmm. Heidi's character is a member of the class demanding that that there be some like specific flat ass exercises, something like that, just to 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 make that make more sense. But ultimately. There's some really, really great physicality here. Very funny lines. I think it just needed another like logic pass on it. Um, Steve, am I just overthinking this? <laughs> a logic pass could work. Yeah, maybe uh, some of the world building had some uh, some plot holes and, and what have you. Uh, but yeah, I I I was one of the people who heard about some of the technical difficulties. I hear. 
the camera was basically never pointing at the right place at the right time. Right, uh, very rarely. Yeah, so is it fair to judge Saturday Night Live on its, you know, cleaned up versions of the sketch? Clearly, it did not go that well when it was live. Um, but that's the version I watched. And, you know, that, that version was very fun for me. And it was uh, it was a great visual gag that uh, I think the girls played up really well. And I had a lot of fun with it. It looked like it hurt a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's my whole thing about the sketch is I, once, once Chloe and um, Heidi got out there... I immediately was just like, they have to be in the most pain yeah. I've yeah. ever seen because they are wearing constricting, constricting pants. Yeah. So I, I do I do want to like kind of clean up this the part this part of the discussion with some patron feedback that we got from yeah. uh Grace Kogan, which says, I'm loving all of the Heidi content so far. She had big shoes to fill and is doing an outstanding job. I hope we see even more of her and the Heidi Chloe duos in the future. Um hundred percent agree. I feel like Heidi is yeah soaring and i think uh this pairing and this sketch heidi chloe and then um their weekend update feature together yeah was amazing they have great chemistry together and i uh, you know in the first episode we saw a good heidi ego duo sketch which i also love um but yeah I- any thoughts on on we'll we'll get into fully like repertory players later but like did y'all did y'all think heidi and uh chloe were working really well together yeah yeah it feels like a relationship on par with maybe uh, Cecily and 80. Mm-hmm. I'm getting vibes of uh, that kind of partnership. Yeah, I feel like they've really found something in each other that elevates the both of them. Yeah, I think Heidi's also just a good sketch partner, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is Chloe, too, but like Heidi, Heidi even more so, I feel like really knows, knows when to like let the other person get a laugh. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, not that Chloe doesn't, but it's just like Heidi will will tee up the ball easier, and it's so much clearer. We so I mean, yeah, Heidi's I, a generous human, and thus a generous performer. <laughs> like. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's talk about another sketch from Megan the Stallion. Look, there's a deer right by the pine tree between the two rocks. Just follow my point, Steve. This is your pick. W- why'd you land on this one? Why? I don't know. Just wanted to, wanted to talk about it. Just wanted to say a couple of things. Honestly, I think you guys picked my choices, and then I <laughs> moved on to this one. Um, but hey, I just had some really raw fun with this, and it was very uncomplicated. It was just a silly sketch with a silly idea. And, you know, I, I'm just a sucker for the, the poorly design puppetry and and hasty photoshopping i think all of those you know those unpolished elements always add to the the humor of these types of sketches and after the loss that we've had isn't it nice to just have a sketch where where keaton just really leans on you know his ability to steal a scene because after everything that we've gone through um that we could all agree we still have hold, the held war. on. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We still have Keaton's magic to even if you hate everything else that's left over, we still have that. You could tell everybody was having fun. I mean 
this is just such primal stuff. This is what they do in kids shows. You know, it's behind you. Like it's, it's, it's the most basic thing. And, and you could tell everybody was having, even like Megan Thee Stallion is, is like trying not to bust up at this. And every line she's got, she's grinning from ear to ear. And yeah, it was just nice to see everyone just enjoying themselves and having a good time. That's fair. I'm I'm glad it was working for someone because it wasn't working for me. Uh, but you know, <laughs> m- m- listen, comedy is so subjective. If if I hate an episode, it, I guarantee you it's my mom's favorite. Like you know, like mm-hmm. so you know, I'm I'm glad you like this. I just don't think there's like a lot to work with here, and like clearly, like you said, they were having a really good time with it, but it. It just didn't carry over for me. Like I felt when they were doing the point thing, I felt like I was on the Manning cast saying, Oh no, is he trying to make this a catchphrase? Like, <laughs> yeah, there was um, like, she like repeated it three times slower they did and it, slower. They did it so long. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, they found, they found good ways to add on like, Oh, there's a bunny on top of it now. Now it's inside. Uh, so like there, there's some fun to be had, but ultimately, yeah, like I don't think this was, it wasn't a standout for me. Patrick, where are you going to land? Uh, closer to the middle. I, I really love the puppet. The puppet was funny. Uh, I love the CGI. Uh, the the uh, CGI. The uh, the photoshopped rad- rabbit on top. Um, but yeah, this was just Keenan being Keenan. And it's, it's, it, it, it was, he was, you know, it's, it's kind of like seeing, uh, you know, Barry Bonds hit a home run. It's like, oh, what, what, that, that's, that's how easy he makes it look. Just <laughs> him every time going, what? Huh? Just, it makes me laugh. I and I've been watching this man since Always I was messing like, with me. Yeah, since I was a child, I've been watching this guy, and he has been doing that kind of reaction, and it is so funny every time. So yeah, it's it it, it was great in the sense that um, I don't think it's gonna be the most memorable sketch of the year, but it wasn't unwatchable, which you know, fair enough. <laughs> which some of them can be. So well, some of them guess- can be, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if that's your bar, this passed it. All right, well, let's talk about your pick then, Patrick. This substitute teacher believes in you. She's proud of you. And no, she does not know that this is a STEM school. So uh, why'd you pick it? Because it's genius. It is such a <laughs> real sketch. What I really loved about this and what I loved about this episode as a whole is that it really got to feature a lot of um, a lot of their, you know, uh, POC like players and stuff like that. Um, I went to a uh, school that was ninety five percent African American Hispanic, and I had a Spanish teacher. And I want to say about seventy percent of the school spoke Spanish or was at least bi- bilingual. Um, I had a Spanish teacher who uh, was teaching the class Portuguese, and mm-hmm. we would tell her that that's Portuguese, and no one believed us. And uh, months went by. Eight months went by. We kept saying, like, oh, she's teaching us Portuguese. And no one believed us until finally the principal walked in. And he looked at the board and went, well, that's Portuguese. And we're like, we've been (laughs) saying that forever. So, like, this sketch hit home real, real hard. Because just that when she comes in with, like, I'm coming in with my predetermined notions of, like, what you guys are. And then just the fact that she not only talked down to these kids, but was just an idiot. Was so... (laughs) Mm -hmm. So much fun, but her punching out the fire alarm at the end, they go, students! And it's like, that was great. 
That was very, very funny. <laughs> uh, yeah. I feel like that fire alarm was like too neatly placed. Like it was like Chekhov's fire yeah, alarm. Like, as soon as she getting... walked in, I was like, oh, that's the thing. That's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we know how the sketch is ending. <laughs> yeah, I think this was a highlight of the episode for sure. Amazing, amazing performance from Ego and just yeah. such a funny idea. Uh, you know, because I don't always love it when the game is a misunderstanding, but this one really paid off because, like you said, Pat, they capitalized. Not just on the teacher was misinformed, but also she's just she's just an idiot. Like she's just a yeah. stupid person. So um, I think there were good performances from the students as well, and I actually think this was some of Megan the Stallion's best work. Uh, mm-hmm. A m- perfect delivery of "Ma'am, my name is Amy." Uh, that was so funny. <laughs> so so good. Yeah. Uh, my biggest note is I actually just think the ending's kind of weak. Uh, I think yeah. I think her hitting like pulling the fire alarm is kind of funny, but then there was the second with the door. And then it sort of just like did the fade out thing. Like I don't know. I feel like there could have just been a really good punchline ending to this, and it would have just been a little neater. Um, Literally yeah. break glass to end sketch. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm sure is in every writer's room. <laughs> Steve, do you have any any thoughts on this one? This is what was brilliant about this sketch. It, it took advantage of a certain conditioning that's happened to people who've consumed modern media that they might not have been aware of. And that's part of the brilliant series that it's making you aware of it. But maybe you watched this sketch and was so familiar with this image of uh, a classroom full of black people being talked down to this way. Like is maybe that's so normalized in your film and television viewing that you don't even question. And like, you're like, why does this feel familiar to me? Why is this a trope that I can uh, recognize right away? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that mm-hmm. that's what that's what it challenges you to think when it you know reveals that this woman has actually made a whole bunch of assumptions and uh yeah. doesn't realize where she is at all and it kind of turns everything on its head and he's like huh you know maybe i should have questioned uh why i thought it was okay to see this and and you know why did why did more hairs raise up on the back of my neck at this at this uh this clear abuse of, of power dynamic. Uh, but yeah, this, this was a great way of, of taking that trope, showing you what the toxicity of it might be. And uh, you know what we can learn from, from realizing that. So yeah, I think it was progressive, smart um, and, uh, and funny at the same time. It wasn't just clapter. It was genuine laughing with a, mm-hmm. uh, with uh, with a good message. We love to see it. And on that. We note, love to see it. <laughs> Look at Patrick's let's now. <laughs> let's uh let's take a little zoom out. Let's talk about this run of three as a whole. We got I've got a few categories to go through here. Um and the and the first the first two categories are about our our players. So I w I wanna I wanna set it up with uh some feedback we got on Twitter from Travis Kemp. Who says the sketches this season so far have been hit and miss? I think the cast maybe is a bit lost since Kate, AD, Kyle, Pete, Chris, and Melissa left. However, I've been enjoying the new cast members' commentaries on Weekend Update. So uh, just just like kind of keep that in mind as we talk about these uh, the featured players and the repertory players. So up first, we'll talk about the featured players, um, and I think they're all off to really strong starts. Um, three of the four have had update features, and uh, Molly had an entire pre-tape uh centered around them uh 
now my feelings on each of those features vary a little bit. Uh, I think to me, Marcelo had the strongest, like most original update bit. Uh, his content felt like it showed his specific point of view really well, and he performed it expertly. Uh, whereas Devin's, I thought, was a little shaky. Uh, I thought his nerves came through a little more, um, which was interesting because I I saw him audition at um, Asylum and did some of these bits and didn't seem nervous then. Like obviously they're they're both high stakes situation, but one of them is is a little bigger. So uh, he was amazing in that audition. So you know, hopefully we get to see him come back and shake those nerves a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think I think they all had pretty solid starts, and it'll be interesting to see if they keep it up. Steve, what's your assessment so far? Agreeing with you so far, definitely uh, felt that Devin was kind of tight chested and short of breath. Uh, definitely some uh, nervous energy there. I mean, he he didn't crash and burn, so to speak, but there's some grass on his knees. So uh, it's it's a bit of a, a bit of an experiment. Uh, it feels like. It feels like somebody decided, some producer said, we're going to spend the first four episodes giving each of the four new cast members a spot on Weekend Update. Because it's, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's it's working out very cleanly one by one, if, if that's not actually the case. Uh, quite the co- mm-hmm. coincidence. But, yeah, I mean, Michael and Marcelo's were my favorite, too. But I think Marcelo's, in terms of originality, uh and and having a voice that was the best one. Michael seemed a little bit more like a sizzle reel of his stand up, kind of kind of a little bit uh, all over the place and ADD. Is like what what we're talking about? How rich people tell you to take their heads off them now? Where did that come from? Yeah, uh, but, but yeah, uh, everybody's been great. Uh, Molly's obviously had a special uh, part in their their little. Uh, pre-tape there they were obviously the uh mm-hmm. the main focus of that everybody had j- jokes to say but i think molly's bit was what really brought that all together yeah so there, there is some interesting things i've seen batted around online that like all four of these people auditioned purely stand-ups and then they're kind of getting these little weekend update features and like i wonder some people have sort of batted around like is this is this their them trying to figure out like a new bring in a new update host I don't know if there's really any merit to that, but interesting thought, I guess. Uh, Patrick, yeah. what, how are you feeling about the repertory, play, the featured players? I thought, honestly, a little underwhelmed by all of them. I don't think they got. I I don't think I I, I outside, like everyone got a moment to like have their their little standout moment, but no one blew me away. Where I'm like, oh, that's except I would say Molly is 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 very funny. I don't think I don't think they've gotten like anything to do since like since and or before. I think that's like the only thing that I'm like, oh, that's Molly in a sketch. Everything else they've just kind of either been in the background or just not in the show. Um, mm-hmm. I I will say I like Michael's set, but I've also seen Michael do stand up, so like I just know that he kind of just did stand up. And I and this, I think it's why I kind of gravitated towards Molly because at least they were doing a sketch, and at least it felt like more of a sketch. So. Yep. Um, I do, I do think there's merit to the idea of like, are they just trying to find a new weekend update person? Cause I mean, like Colin Joe's can't be there forever. You know, right. he's got his, his deal with, with Satan is coming up soon and he has to get that soul out of there. 
Uh, and I, <laughs> the second Colin leaves, Michael Che's not going to stay around because I don't think Michael Che has keys to the building. To be completely honest, he needs to be let in. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's it's it was it. I'm I'm lukewarm on the uh, the new feature players. On that note, I will say uh, some more feedback from Reddit. Uh, Miss Brisby echoed that uh, enjoyed the new cast members on update, but asked. Do you think that will continue the rest of the season or taper off midway with someone being shut out for screen time? I think it's hard to say if anyone's going to be shut out. I think we'll absolutely taper off. I think okay. I think uh, this was like a generous let's let's have them let's have the audience meet our new people, um, and they're not going to be guaranteed those slots. Um, yeah, I think I, th- I, think, I think the absolutely. idea that yeah. they'll be shut out it's not something you hope, but it's something that always happens. You know. Um, I can't say like, oh, I think I think Michael's going to get shut out, or I think right. you know, Devin's going to be shut out. I, I just you know, it's 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 like one of those weird things where you just kind of never know. It's too early. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone did terrible. Where I'm like, oh, I don't, we're not going to see that person again. And I don't think anyone did so well. Where I think we're going to see that person every week. There isn't a, there isn't a Bowen in the bunch, you know. Where like first time you see Bowen, it's like, oh, Bowen's going to be in everything. You know, and then one of these might be like someone like Andrews and Smukes, who like slowly over a few weeks, you start seeing him mm-hmm. more and more until the point where it's like, oh, he stole the show this week because yeah. of X, Y, and Z. Steve, what do you think? What do I think? I think uh, it's too early to tell, but uh, you made a good point there. This is uh, the one and only thing that they'll absolutely get handed uh, over if we're if we're right about this being a predetermined thing to give them each a, a weekend update spot. Uh, but yeah, at this point, what could we say uh, to any level of education on, on how people are going to do? There's no way to make an educated guess, I think, at this point. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about our repertory players then. Um, Monette Moradi on Twitter said, The show is clearly trying to push a star in Chloe or Heidi when it should just focus on being an ensemble, especially during a rebuilding year. Uh and and I'll and I uh, I'll say I don't know I disagree. Um, so do I. Yeah. I think it's been a really fun season to watch. I think seeing Bowen and Heidi and Ego in particular have an amazing start has been great. They're the first team quarterbacks now. Um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm loving it. We're getting more Dismukes in the mix. I actually think it feels more ensemble-y. Even even with like I think there are clearly a few senior players getting a lot of screen time, which they deserve because. They did a lot yeah. of time under Kate, the Kate Ad Cecily show, um, but I I think that there there is more breathing room in it. Like I said, Desmukes is getting more time. We've had these featured players show out. Sarah Sherman's getting sketches. Um, it's still a huge cast, but for whatever reason, it does feel like markedly different. That there, I'm feeling an ensemble energy, but like I said, with a couple people standing out, which I think is how the show works, and I think it's I think that's fair, and I. Honestly, I would have been disappointed if I didn't see like Heidi and Ego really stepping up. So, uh, yeah, Patrick, what do you think? Yeah, I think I think uh, I'm glad that Ego's getting more. You know, mm-hmm. she's definitely getting her own sketches to run, which are great. We're letting Sarah be as weird as possible, which is mm-hmm. where she's strongest. Uh, I feel like, especially last because last season was her first season, right? Yeah. It was Sarah's first season last season or yes. the year before? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, last season they were trying to pigeonhole her into, like, regular sketches where it's just, like, and she'd flounder because she needs to be in crazy sketches. So we get eyes. We get stuff like that where, like, mm-hmm. she gets to get crazy with it and it works great. Um, 
I can understand why they think they're trying to push Chloe and Heidi, but I think it's more because Chloe and Heidi can fit into any kind of mold easier, especially Heidi, where like Heidi could mm-hmm. be do a character sketch and just be the straight man. Like mm-hmm. a, and Chloe, I feel like we almost the same where like with Chloe, like you can you can make Chloe can do a character, but if you just need Chloe to this be the one introducing the lines, you know, she's she's doing what um what eighty was often given and or, or, mm-hmm. or Cecily. Um but yeah, I feel like overall, like if anyone's getting pushed to to like the front of the 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 stage, it's definitely Bowen. Um, but to be, to be, if we're going to be completely honest, that's been happening for the last three years. They've been pushing Bowen yeah. because mm-hmm. Bowen is a star and is yeah. going to ride the rocket to the moon and then build a colony on the moon and then people will move to the moon and that's what I assume will happen. I lost, I lost my way there. The metaphor. Not as beautiful as Steve Sandcastle metaphor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tried to I'm be the as, metaphor as guy. Elegant. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You, we come Steve, to you with, give us a metaphor. Marvel and the comics. You do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll talk about the comic. Give us a good metaphor about Bowen. What, 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 what's Bowen? Well, paint us a picture. Oh, you know, he's like he's he's going to go to the moon and he's going to build a colony there. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, plagiarized. Gotcha, man! It sounded it uh, sounded better when Steve said it. Though. Yeah, it's something coming out of that, that that folksy Canadian mouth of yours. I'm like, yeah, I get it, I get it. It sounds better. Steve, metaphors aside, how are you feeling about our repertory players? Oh, doing great. You know, yes, maybe some uh, some players are coming out with a little extra screen time. I do feel an ensemble kind of feel going, uh, but hey. If you need any more proof than this on who they got their sights on as like the stars of the show right now, just look at who introduces musical guests who are also hosting. Too busy to introduce themselves. I mean, who did they get to interview Megan the Stallion? Keenan, of course, but who else? Well, the the B to the Y. So uh yeah, I think uh you know we have gotten enough time with the semi newer cast members that are still left over here that we, we still have some very good friends on the cast for all, mm-hmm. for all the changing that's happened. I feel like they've kept up with the hiring and done such a good job with it over the years that we, we've just built a good base to, to continue uh, rebuilding from. Now, Bris- Miss Brisby on Reddit uh, also asked, Whose screen time do you think will be most affected by Cecily's return? Which I do think is an interesting question. Yeah. Steve, what do you think? That's a good question, too. Uh, I don't know. Who's who's really doing anything that Cecily does? I mean... I I would say maybe Heidi? That's what I'm thinking, yeah. but Heidi and Cecily have, have shared time on the show uh, for years now. I never felt like I was getting Cecily treading over anything that Heidi could have potentially done or vice versa. I don't know. Mm-hmm. If anything, I feel like there's just a hole ready to be like filled right away when Cecily comes in. <laughs> I'm not really worried about it. I think because I don't yeah. think, look, I, I love Kate and 80. I love Kate and 80 duos. But I don't think Cecily has anything that can just like that takes over the show in quite mm-hmm. the same way that like if if Kate McKinnon were coming back next week, I'd be like, 
well, yep, uh, you know, hiding Chloe's screen time is really going to hurt. Like, I don't think Cecily is just is that is that same type of performer. And obviously, obviously, there's only so much time on the show, so obviously, like, there will be screen time diminished. But I don't think Cecily's going. I just don't. I don't see her coming in and and it looking drastically different. I, yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. I forgot that Cecily was coming back. It, it, <laughs> same because she's not in the credits. Because she's so not in the credits, and she's too. not. So it's like a thing of just like, oh, that's right. She's she didn't. She just she's coming back. And honestly, it's a little. I don't. I think. I I think it's best for both parties if you know she she doesn't come back. I think. I think it's kind of a step backwards for her at this point because you know she has mm-hmm. a pretty uh, well received show on Apple TV, and you know this could probably lead to more theater stuff because I saw her, I saw the the the, the uh, woman alone in the universe the the Lily the Lily Tomlin play that she did search for signs of intelligent search for life signs of intelligent life this way uh, and it was fantastic she was incredible so I I kind of like I don't know if she needs an S- SNL and I don't think SNL needs her I think SNL doesn't doesn't need Cecily. I feel like and I don't think it's gonna like when she comes back she's gonna be like wedged in but I definitely think it's gonna be a moment of like oh okay well she's just back and doing you know x y and z you know yeah I feel like it's a step backwards for both both parties all right well um that's all we've got to really talk about the uh the players let's talk about the writers uh Steve what do you think of the of the writing as a whole so far writing seems interesting I mean I'm not super happy with a lot of things. I feel like premises are getting rushed. Premises. I feel like they are, uh, yeah, like they're chopping down things for time that kind of make the sketches a little awkward. And I feel yeah, like, like the, um, the pre-tape last week, the, the sweater, the sweatshirt one, that was at a weird point in the show and was chopped down so much that I was kind of wish they had saved it for a different week. Right. Yeah. And, and like, there's things that are just not feeling like that CNN sketch about the try guys. Like (laughs) they, they cut out so much. Like it didn't even feel like, uh, like, like a uh, convincing news story. Like what, what acres just says, welcome to CNN. I'm so-and-so here's a reporter. Like, don't you introduce (laughs) the story? (laughs) Why, why are you doing this part? Uh, yeah, I just feel like. Sketches are kind of coming in bloated, I think. And then they're getting, uh, in a very unorganic way, chopped down. And So just fr- from a pure, uh, the pure perspective of not even like the jokes are good or bad, just like the setup of, of how the sketch is being done and the dialogue is feeling like inorganic to you. It's feeling a little inor- inorganic, yeah. And I feel like when they feel like they need to trim fat, they're jumping to specific places and taking it from those mm-hmm. places uh, where they could be a little bit more even in doing that. Yeah. I think there's the last two episodes in particular, I think had a lot of very strong premises that were not always executed very, uh, very fully um, yeah. or very well. Like, so like something like the Megan, the stallion, the hospital sketch, very funny idea. Uh, got, very, got repetitive really quick. Yeah. Um. Didn't really go. Didn't really heighten. Didn't really go anywhere with it. Um. So yeah. I don't know. They're they're. I feel. I feel like they came out of the gate in that Miles Teller episode with like all their best ideas from the summer, and then it like fizzled out a little bit. Um. But you know they they always knock off the rust, get their legs about them. Like I'm not. I don't think 
the writer's room. I'm not like fire them all or anything, but like, I do think um, there was some weak writing in this run. Uh, Pat, what did you think? I think it's uh, indicative of the writing that there have been two new Please Don't Destroy sketches, and we have not brought them up yet at all. Because um, they, I, I think they're the weakest uh, mm-hmm. ones they've done. Um, the two, of course, are... I can't are even the, remember one of them. Well, it's, there's one of them where it's... Uh, they're not really themselves, and it's not like a meta-commentary. It's oh, They yeah, are yeah. high schoolers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Brendan Gleeson is just an old man. Um, My mom loved it. I thought, no, it's a very funny sketch, but it didn't feel like a Please Don't Destroy sketch. Yeah. Um, and I just felt like it's a sketch that I could have seen 20 years ago and still been like, it's fine. Uh, and then the one they put last week was pretty awful. Like, it was just a bad sketch. Like, I like it, that one. Oh, well, I disagree. Um, Did you know you could delete but, money? Oh, yeah. That was great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, but it just, I don't know. It's just, I... I, I got so excited to see Please Don't Destroy Sketch. And then both times we're kind of like, ah, oh, it's just not, it's not, yeah, it's I feel not like there. That, like what Steve just did. Moments in that sketch, very funny. Overall, Overall yeah. Like yeah. Any, any specific joke is a good joke, but like didn't add up to being a great sketch. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's where I feel like they've this whole season's been, where it's like funny moments, but like overall there's no sketch where it's like, this stands out for the rest of the season where yeah. I'm going to mm-hmm. be talking about this. Like um, one early on last season that I can give examples is, is that uh, the suit sketch with, and it's and you, <laughs> that like, yeah, that yeah, was, yeah. I think maybe the third episode. They, the mm-hmm. first time they did that. And it's so funny and they keep it. And like, that's something where like for the rest of the season, I'm like, that's one of the high highs for me, mm-hmm. but there's, you know, uh, and I mean like the please don't destroy from last season too. Like the first couple times you have a please don't destroy sketch. Um, Last season was pretty great, but it's just not, mm-hmm. you know, n- nothing writing-wise has been standing out. I will say the the Please Don't Destroy guys have their hands in a lot of other sketches that aren't, like, specifically Please Don't Destroy sketches. Um, yeah. Alex English seems to be getting a lot on. Uh, yeah. One thing I'm a little disappointed with is that there's one of the new writers that has not gotten anything on yet, and that's um, Sierra O'Sullivan, who I was really excited about because I saw her audition, and I thought she was just a brilliant character performer. She's got like great stuff on TikTok and Instagram, and I, I just like know that she can like knock a Weekend Update character out of the park if she can like write one and get one on. Um, so like it is a little disappointing to like to see that from like if we look at the because I look at the writers similar to how I look at like the featured players. Like I want to see what the new people are bringing. Uh, Jimmy Fowley, on the other hand, just came in ready to go out of the gate. He's he got like workout class, the Caribbean Queens, the Hocus Pocus moms. Those are like oh. he had a hand in all of those. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I don't. Know, I do think when I look at the list of like who wrote what, uh, it does feel a little bit more spread out than last season. Like last season, I feel like I was seeing the same five writers on everything. Whereas this season, I do feel like there are um, there's more voices getting on the show, which is a great thing. Um, but yeah, maybe some of it's working, some of it's not. Um, all right, well, uh, let's talk about the musical guest. Do we have Do we have anything? of interest to add to the musical guest discussion. You know, I thought, um, I thought Kendrick Lamar was, was the best of the bunch. I thought he came in with, uh, very, like very unique productions. Like I loved the, like the lighting effects mm-hmm. of his first song and how like it turns out the shadow was not a shadow. Uh, and then in the second song with the room shrinking, I thought those were both like really cool. Those were really fun to watch. Um, 
that that's that's really all I have to say about any of the three of them. I don't think I'm the target audience. So, uh, anything to add, fellas? Uh, I love Willow. All, all I want to say is that Willow rocked a little harder than I expected. Like she was full on, full on screaming uh, during that last song. Real, <laughs> real hardcore stuff. Cool. Uh, and I'll say Travis Kemp on Twitter said, "I also think that SNL should book more jazz musicians." Um. Okay. okay. You know, personal you know, preference, that's great. I think they got to go with uh, what's drawing the viewers, but sure. I, I will say, though, you, you left out one of the names that he gave as an example. John Batiste would be perfect. And I think John Batiste is a big that enough name because John Batiste that's is true. like, he's like an award away from getting EGOT and he's always on Colbert, but he's such an incredible performer. I'm surprised they haven't had John Batiste on because I, I also he had uh, some songs in the summer this, this year. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if later in the season we get John Batiste. Jeez. Yeah, maybe he shows up. Maybe Travis Kemp's dreams come true. I think he's taking care of his wife right now, who's a little sick. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. And he's taking a step back. That's why he left the late show. So yeah, I, I'd say that would be a factor for now. Unfortunately. Yeah. Hopefully, someday. But we wish soon. them the best. Um, now we have one more patron question to kick around before we get to our ratings. That's Ronald Burgess on Patreon says, It seems like when a host has a new movie or TV show coming out, SNL rarely does a sketch about it anymore. You know why this is. Some of my favorite sketches have been that kind, like Val Kilmer as Jim Morrison in the Heaven Supergroup sketch. Is there a certain type of sketch from the past you would like to see return? Uh, so yeah, kind of, kind of two questions in one. Uh, Patrick, what do you think? Uh, well, to answer that first part, I do agree. I was surprised they didn't do a Top Gun sketch. Mm-hmm. I was really expecting a Top Gun sketch, and they didn't do because I feel like Megan Thee Stallion is promoting a movie, and right. Brendan Gleeson's like movie is an it's an Oscar bait film. They're not the the, the, the parody of that movie was running around the rerow, and they already did it. So. Exactly. Yeah. No. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So so uh, I will. I will say I'm super surprised they did not do Top Gun. Like, I yeah, thought that same, was, like, an same. easy, you know, it was the biggest yeah. movie of the year. Um, a sketch that I genuinely miss is, I kind of miss commercial parodies. I feel like we haven't had that many commercial parodies lately. And when we do, they're always for medicine, where I miss, <laughs> you know, I miss gay beer, like, from the 90s. Right. Or, you know, or even, like, an infomercial sketch, something like that. Um mm-hmm. Or, you know, just that that kind of, yeah, definitely kind of uh, that kind of, you know, commer- like just parroting something like a commercial because now because now it's all medicine. And I it's I, I feel like it's 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 uh, it's easy. It's easy hitting for when you're doing like a, a medicine ad. Steve, anything to add on uh, on this patron question? I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to keep my mind open because we have all this new talent and who knows what they're going to be able to bring and i don't want to uh set any expectations for that uh you know i'm just happy to see what happens and i'm sure it'll give me some new favorites yeah i don't know if i have much to say about you know why they would deviate from from doing uh movie parodies and things that are related to the host like that uh I guess that's not where the inspiration is right now, or maybe getting rights to those things are more complicated than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Uh, that's a really good point. Yeah. But, uh, as long as we don't see more like 
finance bros sketches um, <laughs> and things a little more inspired. Uh, that's that's all I'd really like to see is just a little more originality. Lean into your Sarahs and you know your Bo and Yangs and the ones that have really unique voices. And, and let's see how we can develop that into some maybe some new tropes that people come to expect over the next 50 years. Yeah. Let's create some new traditions. God, he just puts it so delicately. I love, I love yeah. when Steve talks. <laughs> I, I had something to add to that discussion, but I'm not going to do it now because that was such a beautiful way to wrap it up. Oh, yes, it was. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, let's talk about these ratings real quick and let's get out of here. Uh, up first is the most memorable moment. Patrick, what is it? My most memorable moment is when in Molly's sketch or pre-tape about the new cast members, uh, she they took are. a moment to say they, them. I thought that was so freaking great. It was such a fun throwaway part, too, where where they were like, uh, um, uh, you know, I'm being kidnapped, and they go, get her in the car, and I have to be like, no, actually, it's they, them, but I don't think this is appropriate time. Right. I was, it's so, it's so funny. It's so great. My most memorable moment goes to, uh, the first person, and I do think it was Michael Longfellow who stood up and did the salute in the AMC sketch because I was like, "Yes, that's the moment where I said this is going exactly where I wanted it to." Uh, that's mine, Steve. What's yours? I, I was thinking about picking uh, the eyeball reveal, uh, not mm-hmm. the not this eyeball reveal, but the the eyeballs from the pockets, the real <laughs> Pocket eyeballs. eyeballs. Uh, the realization dawning on her. And the more I think about it, I think that's what I want to be my moment. Because my other moment I'm thinking about is my name is Grimace and I'm a bisexual man. <laughs> 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 yep, yep. Let's give it to the to the uh, to the Grimace bisexual reveal. Very good. Let's talk it. about the uh, the standout sketch, Patrick. What is it? I, I was actually going to pick that uh, the McDonald's sketch, the Grimace sketch. For me, it was standout because I, I mean, I very rarely do we get maybe once a season now we get a big weird costume sketch. And mm-hmm. last season it was probably like the Beauty and the Beast sketch, um, mm-hmm. where Will, when Will the Foe hosted. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed that sketch. I thought it was really funny, and I have seen that joke now online a dozen times. Of the, I'm a proud bisexual man. Please don't bring that up again. Like just like, <laughs> let's like that like that. It's it's very funny. Um, so so yeah, that was that was definitely my standout. My standouts: the Manning cast cold open. I thought it was just so original, so creative, so high energy. It was a really 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 solid start to the season, and one that I was like. I think that was one of the few where I was like, oh, I can't wait to watch that on YouTube. Like, I can't wait to see it again. Um, yeah. Steve, what's your standout sketch? That's, that's what I'm doing, too, is is giving it to that one. Because it's the one sketch so far that I can, like, look at all of the previous seasons and say there was nothing like that. Like, this is something that's that feels truly fresh. And there's definitely some very stale moments of these first three three episodes where I'm just like, wow, we're going there, are we? Uh, but yeah, that didn't happen with this this opening sketch. It felt uh, felt like uh, new ideas, and it it really did a good job of of giving the first moments of some of the new cast members. And yeah, it, it just it utilized. You know, our, 
our, our relationships with older cast members and how we've gotten to know them. And yeah, just, just when you think about everything we've had so far, this just feels like the most special thing. All right. All right. Let's do these next two rapid fire. You ready? Patrick, yep. best host. Uh, Miles Teller. Steve, best host. Miles Teller, Miles Teller, Miles Teller. Catherine, best host. Miles Teller. <laughs> Patrick, best musical guest. Willow. Steve, best musical guest. Hey, Willow, Willow, Willow. Catherine, best musical guest. Kendrick Lamar. Great. Good opinion, Catherine. Wow. Way to differentiate yourself. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk MVP of the run. Patrick, who is it? Uh, Heidi Gardner. All right, oh, are we, are we still doing rapid fire? Sure, I, yeah, I like it. But no, <laughs> okay, you can great. talk about it. You can talk about it. No, no, no. I, yeah, Heidi Gardner. I agree. She's been, she has been a real standout in the last few episodes. Um, I feel like she is, not to say that she's being pushed to become the, the forefront of the sketches, but she's definitely filling in the shoes of like a seasoned member of the cast. And she's filling yeah. them very nicely. She's doing, she's great. I love, I love to see her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. Um, you know, I think Heidi Echo Bowen all have uh, yeah great great times, but I think Heidi, I feel like Heidi's been at the forefront of each of these episodes, just having great moments, leading sketches, being in a lot of sketches, and just stepping up like the true pro she is. Um, Heidi, Heidi, Heidi. Steve, what about you? I want to give it to Bowen because uh, yeah, just right off the bat, Bowen uh, has been leading the charge and. SNL feels a little bit different now, uh, but uh, for the most part, it's different in a good way. And Bowen is is just seems to be just leading more into this role that I've seen him carve out for himself, and it's been great. You know, uh, he brought that whole Maury vibe to Weekend Update. I've never had that <laughs> yeah, kind of yeah, energy really coming from Weekend Update. There's there's been so much great stuff and and. So early in the season, and I feel like Bowen is, he's, he's, the juices are flowing. He's, he's, he's got the creative tap on, and uh, we're going to see some great stuff from him. I think, I think that's the one that's stood out to me. Mr. Bowen Yang, my fave. Solid pick. All right, we've got a new scale. So everybody listen up and listen close. On a scale of must-see TV. Sunday morning Hulu. Catch the highlights on YouTube or Saturday Night Dead. How would you rate these three episodes? Patrick. Catch the highlights on YouTube for me. I feel there's some very funny sketches, but nothing strong enough. And there are just some weak sketches that aren't bad, but just you can miss them and you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to agree. Catch the highlights on YouTube. There's some, there's some great stuff here. There's some shareable stuff here. And then there's some some things that we've we've even talked about where it's like eh, I don't I don't need my friends to see that I'm not going to be quoting it at them uh, you know you you can miss it there's just there's some cold opens that I didn't think were great um, so yeah I think I think I think there's you know I can think of like five really solid sketches that you should watch on YouTube <laughs> five so. is generous to be honest <laughs> <laughs> uh, Steve where you landed um, first of all. Are we already dated with this this new uh, rating system? Because I believe Sunday morning Hulu, it should be it yeah, should be it's Peacock, Peacock now. <laughs> it's Peacock now, right? Oh, that's wow! Right. We blew it right out of the bat. What was I going to say? Uh, I think catch the highlights on YouTube describes it well. 
even literally in some cases, because like if there's cer- some sketches you want to see uh, properly, you can't you can't watch them live because they didn't work out so well. So yeah, catch catch the uh, the YouTube of like the butt uh, the butt workout sketch because mm-hmm. that's pretty much the only re- version watchable. Uh, but yeah, there was just <laughs> some great sketches to watch here, but a lot of stuff in between that was missable. If I didn't yep. watch SNL so religiously, uh, I don't think it would be as much of a loss to miss some of these sketches. But yeah. I, I'm glad yeah. I caught something out of each one. So, mm-hmm. all right. So, uh, highs and lows, mountains and valleys in these uh, three episodes, which uh, you know isn't unusual. I think that's part of the show's DNA and part of what makes it great. So uh, thank you guys for joining me. This was a fun discussion. Thank you. Uh, before before we go, Patrick, I think you've got a show coming up that you probably oh, want to promote. I've got a ton to promote. Thank you for asking. <laughs> um, if you guys are in the New York City area, uh, November 3rd, I am going to start doing Drunk Dungeons & Dragons. Where uh, If you've never played Dungeons & Dragons before, fine, come. We're going to get drunk, and I'm going to... We're going to basically roll dice and fight monsters at Five Barrows Brewery at 7 p.m. on November 3rd. But most importantly, Catherine and I have been talking about a sketch show that we're doing. Uh, I work for a nonprofit called Broadway Bodge, which helps uh, plus-size performers uh, ex- to be play the parts they want. And they are producing a sketch show of all fatties called uh, Funny Fat Friends at Good Judy in Brooklyn, New York on uh, November 10th. Uh, tickets are on sale now. Follow us at Fun, fun Fatty Fun <laughs> at Fun Fat Friend Comedy on Instagram for tickets. And uh, you know, Catherine's in the show. I'm in the show. Uh, it's it's I'm playing great. Willy Wonka in the show. I wrote a whole I'm sketch for Catherine to it. play Willy Wonka. That's it's it's great. <laughs> I have never been more honored in my life. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. Great. Well, I have. I mean, you just missed. My my big show. If you listen to this, but that's okay. The, the highlight, uh, the pre-tape from my show called the Marvel ASPCA ad, which Patrick is in, yes, is available on YouTube, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, wherever you get your videos. You can find this if you find me at Catherine is funny or at Catherine funny. Um, it's great. It's it's an ASPCA ad, but for people who don't like Marvel movies because we're sick of it. All right, and now I'm working on a on a new version of it for Patrick. That's an ASPCA ad, but for people who are sick of hearing about Taylor Swift, uh, yeah, I've already yeah, written yeah, half yeah. of it. Uh, so <laughs> watch this one, so you'll get the next one. Um, I put a lot of work into making this like very high quality, so I would love it if you could watch. It looks like, it looks real. Exactly. I will say it looks like Thank a you. real ASPCA ad. It, it the camera work is insane. It was all a little behind the scenes. It was all Catherine. Uh, behind the camera, you had a dolly that you got. It was pretty crazy. It was, it was, it was a lot of, a lot of. I was, I was very impressed when I walked into a rented space and then saw you with a dolly that you had put together. I was like, oh shit, okay, we're not just yeah. doing bits. Uh, all right, well, <laughs> okay, well, uh, Steve, I hope you keep healing well. Yes, well, uh, this is my can... first. This is my last podcast with braces. They'll be coming out very soon. Oh, oh exciting! Go back to giving yeah. blowies. That's the first thought I had. Great. I'm so glad that we're ending the podcast on that note. And that is a wrap. (laughs) Thanks to Steve Finn and Pat Riley. 
And thanks as well to our most generous patrons, Neil Weinstein, Justin Gardner, Grace Kogan, and Brian Clark. If you're enjoying our show, please subscribe on YouTube or wherever better podcasts can be found. Your subscription helps us grow, and your support is greatly appreciated. We'll be back in November to discuss SNL's next run of shows. But until then, this has been episode number 165 of the Saturday Night Live After Party Podcast. I'm Catherine Coleman. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah.